and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Into the Aether. It is a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger, and today on this very special bonus episode, we're talking about The Forgotten City, a game made by Modern Storyteller based off the hit 2015 Skyrim mod of the same name. So for this episode, Brendan and I have played the game like I want to say like a month ago, maybe maybe a few weeks. Uh, time is irrelevant, you know, especially in this game. <laughs> and now basically in preparation for the episode, we have seen all the endings, all four endings of the game. And both of us played a little bit of the Skyrim mod just like to reference. So do you want to get that part out of the way first? Um, Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so like we said, this this game is is largely based off the Skyrim mod. Uh, that was a big hit. And that was the incentive to, you know, have the team work on a standalone game uh, that that largely told the same story, but unattached from Elder Scrolls lore. So I feel like it's tough to have played this game first because like, yes, it's it's very much like it, it, it's interesting to see like what ideas were brewing and like it's still a really impressive mod. Like, you know, credit where credit's due. It got the acclaim it did for a reason. But I don't think really all that I got from playing the mod was more appreciation for the standalone game. Just because like, I don't know, I think there's something about how the game throws you in like as a person with a flashlight versus like a wood elf with like a Daedric bow. And like, you know, I'd already like right. there's something yeah. kind of interesting about having already been playing Skyrim and then showing up to the ruins. I, I think I think the strength and the weakness of the mod is that it's so unlike Skyrim that like it one stands out as like its own narrative little story. And, you know, it it has the beginning is very similar. Like you meet a friendly farmer who gives you a tour and there's like clearly like things kind of swapped out like uh the jarl instead of like the, the you magistrate, know roman yeah. leader the magistrate uh there there's like a flirty bartender there there are a lot of archetypes uh there's an angry guy with armor like you know there's like you can see echoes of characters but no one ha- like you don't get that same thrill of like just listening to like someone's entire backstory or like their worldview like i feel like in in the forgotten city game like every character or at least most of them serve as like a very concrete like philosophical argument either for or against the golden rule so like yeah. it has this like clockwork quality in the gameplay and also with the narrative and the philosophy of it and the Skyrim mod like the setting is also just not as appealing i think the big thing the 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 big thing that i think is is a misfire with the mod is that like it is also set in the past but you don't really feel it at all like it feels like it feels exactly like skyrim Skyrim. yeah yeah Yeah. all you get is someone is like it's 176 of last seed and like i know a pretty decent amount of skyrim lore and i don't know what that means like i don't know how long ago (laughs) that is i think it's actually like seven years or something like it's not even that far off and there's a big difference which we'll get to later like there is a framing device that is entirely not present in the mod um that i think is like one of the more interesting interesting things about the game so again it's like if you're a huge fan of this game it's like kind of fun to look at the mod and see where it began yeah but i don't think you need to play both yeah right i don't think you need to do both i think if you're you know i i think that's basically all I have to say about it. And again, maybe if I kept going, I would have more appreciation for it. I did watch the ending of it, but it also is like a little different. Like it's missing the punch of uh, of the core game. Which The reason I wanted to bring up the Skyrim mod first was just like I didn't play a lot of it. I started playing it and was like, oh, this actually just makes me want to go play the, the standalone thing again. Yeah. Uh, so I did that instead. Point being like. <laughs> 
I, I think my thought when we first plan on doing this bonus was that the framing device would be like, let's talk about the game generally. Let's talk about where it came from with the Skyrim mod. Let's talk about like specifics and spoilers was kind of the three act structure that was in my head when we first said we were going to do this bonus. Um, and then playing the Skyrim mod was like, mm, maybe, maybe not so much. I, I think yeah. a, as you're saying, like, in 2021, when a standalone version of this story exists, the Skyrim mod is a little bit like um, like a nice to have, like a cool like asterisk that you can go check out. You know, um, I think it was yeah. at the time very impressive. It's very cool that it existed. Obviously a great story or else it wouldn't be able to stand on its own like this um, and, you know, be a game that you and I like love dearly from this year. But that said, having played the standalone thing first and going backwards, it's like, oh, yeah, I get why this is a standalone thing now. Right. Um, yeah, you can also see like like why the creator was so determined to make it its own game. I feel like he probably had the same realization where it's like, wait, there's more to do with this, you know? Yeah, and there very much is. Yeah, I mean, they're they're covering yeah. very different things uh, in the standalone version. So, Stephen, tell me what the Forgotten City is uh, now that we're past that oh little beat right at the top. Uh, before we get into spoilers, right. before we like start talking about like endings and whatever themes, uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I think like yeah. say say people are coming into this with no idea what what is it. Yeah, so the Forgotten City is a uh time loop game essentially. You play as a person from the modern times that meets a stranger by the river and uh she asks you like, "Oh, can you like go see if uh my friend Al is like checking out these weird ruins. Like can you go help them out?" And basically that leads you to discovering the remains of the city where like everyone has become a statue long story short you end up traveling back in time to the city uh you meet the residents there you quickly find out that they're all living under this one moral code called the golden rule which essentially means anytime anybody commits a sin everyone dies so that's sort of the the big pitch is that like there's a sort of isolated society the city this roman empire city uh that lives in this sort of like quasi utopia where you hear that and you you think like oh that means like you know no one's committing crime it's a crimeless city but as you explore and as you talk to more people you realize that like there's a lot more going on with how the rule is interpreted how people uh operate under the rule or around the rule and really everyone you meet sort of acts as like a philosophical argument either for the rule or against the rule but you meet the magistrate of the city who basically is like you are from the future he believes you and you're like i have seen what happens to the city and everyone dies so someone's gonna break the golden rule yeah and he's like you got to figure out who is going to break it and stop that from happening and then also you know find a way back to your own time so that's like the first kind of mission so largely the beginning is very much like a detective like mystery game where you're just sort of like talking to everybody and like getting a, a flavor of like what the city is and who's living here and, and how do people live here and then you quickly learn that uh when someone or you break the golden rule <laughs> uh they're not kidding uh, a very loud voice yells uh uh, the many shall suffer for the sins of the one. And all the statues come to life, start firing arrows at people. And Sentius sprints uh, to the uh, temple of uh, Persephone and performs a quick ritual, destroys himself and opens the portal for you to go back to the beginning. So essentially, whenever the golden rule is broken, you actually get to go back in time to the beginning of that day where you first arrived. 
So the sense of progress is largely uh, information you've gathered from the people, your inventory you also keep. So what's really great about the game is that while you are reliving the same day over and over again, like Majora's Mask or Groundhog Day, you never have to repeat something. Like you always, you always retain what you've received. And there's even an extra feature where the friendly farmer Galerius is the first person you meet in the town. Like right away, can be like, hey man, I need you to do all this shit yeah (laughs) and he'll just run around and like take care of everything that you've already done so like he just believes you he just believes everything you say you're like go go do this go do this so any any time that you're like oh my god i can't believe i have to do like one two three four things in a row before i can even do step five you could actually just go tell galerius to do all those things and he'll go do them as quickly as possible it's a really really wonderful way of making sure you're not repeating yourself uh so that that on top of having like a really honestly shockingly simple menu system to keep track of all the like various leads that you're going after makes it way more accessible than really than you really think it would be uh, considering like totally time loop plus detective story that's like two notoriously complex genres of, <laughs> of storytelling mashed together like of course it's gonna be a mess honestly and i'm kind of glad we're recording this after the release of death loop and not to go too into death loop but like death loop does a similar thing where it allows you to track all of your leads at all times and is like incomprehensible as a list like it is so hard to keep track it's of tough, what's going yeah. on so hard to keep track of what you're doing it really looks like the um always sunny in philadelphia charlie in the mailroom like <laughs> pin board with all the like red string attached to it everything which like kind of works in the framing device of that game in a way but still like sure. from a user experience perspective and an accessibility perspective it's like really difficult to wrap your head around what's happening there forgotten city somehow makes it like totally seamless and like totally oh, yeah. uh, accessible to anyone like i would recommend this game to like every person and we said this in the first episode that we talked about it but like weirdly enough i i think this game like focuses you in such a way where I think it's like hard to not get an ending. Like, I think you will find an ending if you just continue playing the game. Like if you give it a shot and like poke at the edges, if you're interested enough in these characters and what's going on, like you will find your way to an ending of which there are a few, uh, which I don't yeah. want to talk about until spoilers, but just like top level pitch for the game. Like go pick it up if you're even remotely interested in it. It's, it's <laughs> very good and you'll find an ending and it's great and it doesn't take too long too. Yeah, exactly. And I'll, I'll add to that, like like ninety percent of the game is is dialogue and exploring. So like it's there is yeah. combat, which is sort of like there's like one sequence that has like a weirdly long moment of combat that like yeah. is not good, but it's sort of there is like a to add a little variety. Like I think it works in moments, but it de- it definitely overstays its welcome, but never really comes up again. So it's like <laughs> if you're worried like, oh shit, this game is this going to become like fighting? It never really does. It's just sort of like one mission. It's just one bit where it like turns into a horror game very briefly. <laughs> the game does sort of lead with that. Like when you open the, the game for the first time, it says like this is a game that rewards exploration and like dialogue over brute force yeah Um, so that's like what the game is going to be yeah although you can start with a gun if you want uh when when you first true when you first start the game uh the person at the river who's like asking you to go into the forgotten city uh is like who are you and it allows you to like choose from a set of four characters all of whom have like different little perks one of them is that you were a soldier and you start with a gun with 10 bullets um and you can bring that gun into ancient rome (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. And you can't get more bullets, obviously. You have to like use those 10 bullets very specifically if you want. But um, it is very silly that that's even an option. Yeah, that may or may not break the golden rule, I imagine. But uh, you can certainly try. <laughs> my second my second playthrough for this episode, I played with the gun because I wanted to try something that we'll talk about later. But boy, fun. is it fun to play this game <laughs> with a gun with 10 bullets. It's very silly. I also, uh, just the way the controls worked, I didn't realize. I, I kept like firing bullets whenever I was in photo mode by accident. Uh, whenever I was trying yeah. to like leave photo mode, I would keep like wasting bullets and have to reload a save and be like upset that I wasted a bullet. Anyway, <laughs> I, I will say to one, one of our favorite things about this game that we've mentioned in the regular episode about it. But even though I would say you don't have to play the Skyrim mod, you can definitely feel the Elder Scrolls DNA and this sort of like slightly uncanny character models and sort of like the zoom in. I love every dialogue. Like we person. love that shit yeah. so much. Yeah. <laughs> And like great voice acting, great dialogue, but it has that like cheesiness that we we adore so much. It's so funny because the voice acting is great and the writing is great and and it feels as you're playing it like this is what Bethesda thought they were making. You know, like <laughs> when you when you go play Oblivion yeah. in Skyrim, there's like a camp to it that I don't think was really intentional. If I had to guess, maybe no, it was, but I, I don't think it yeah. was. Um, and the Forgotten City manages to like actually use that in a way that feels pointed because everything is great and you still get the zoom in on people's faces whenever they turn around to talk to you. Uh, yeah. It brings me joy like literally every time. I think it's so funny. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, it's great. Salve, friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really good. Anything else at the top here you want to mention in terms of like just overall with the game? I know yes. we're going to kind of veer into more spoiler stuff. Um. The one thing I'll say, if you haven't played this game you, before we before we leave, sorry that this bit was so short, but like there's a lot of a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of spoilers to talk about. But if you haven't played this game yet and you're thinking about doing it and you just wanted this like opening bit, my one piece of advice, the one thing that I would tell you now, having played through the game twice, um, pick the uh, class that allows you that's like you're an archaeologist. Uh, there's an archaeologist class that allows you to like read ancient Latin and stuff. Completely different experience. Definitely the way cool. to go. I mean, the bullets thing is like very funny, but definitely save that for a second playthrough. Um, there's another one where I think you run faster, right? That could help. That is a helpful. It ability. could help. Yeah. The one I chose, I think, is completely useless. I chose the one where I like I hit my head and I can take more damage. You're not really like tanking in <laughs> yeah. this game. So I don't know. It's... You're not strapped for health at any point. Like if you die, it's fine. <laughs> That's the whole point of the time. Yeah. Loop. As yeah. long as you saved. Yeah. Yeah. You're fine. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I would say the two useful ones are the archaeologist and the gun person. Um, the sprinting one is like fun, but I don't know if it's as like exciting. So I would go with archaeologist for a first playthrough. It is like it is very different when you can read all of the things that are written on signs and stuff. It's completely different. Game. What's the like what's the joke class in Dark Souls? It's like completely useless. The depraved. Uh, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I chose that for this game by accident. <laughs> hey, you still like the game, though. I think that, I think it says a lot that you pick that one. And at the end of the day, you were like, this was great. It would be fun if they like mentioned that. Like, are you okay? Like, your head has like a huge bump on it. <laughs> like, like <laughs> your pupils are dilated. Everything all right? <laughs> the deprived. That's what it is. Deprived. They don't. They start with no armor, and all the stats are at eleven. Yeah, that's uh. Anyway, that's one of the starting classes in the Forgotten City. Um, <laughs> anyway, I just want. I just wanted to say that as my like one piece of advice going into the game is I, I think that you that's will have good a, advice. You will have a more rewarding and enriching experience if you can 
read what people write <laughs> in in the video yeah. game. Uh, it's very helpful. Totally. Anyway, that said, do you want to do you want to go into spoilers? Yeah, let's go in there. But yeah, I'll just add again. Like this game is wonderful. Definitely one of the best narrative experiences I've had this year with a game. Check it out. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. All right. Uh, I guess we'll take a break. We'll put like a little. We'll put a noise here and then uh, come back. Yeah, we'll put a golden statue whispering. Like, be right back. I'll I'll be right back Goodbye Brendan we're back In the Forgotten City uh, In Spoiler Zone This is impossible Because where do you begin (laughs) We begin with Galerius Oh, that's true. Yeah, it, it begins and ends with Galerius, uh, MVP uh, of the Forgotten City. Love this guy. Love this gullible farmer to death. I guess I think we wanted to talk about like standout moments and characters, maybe the general flow of the critical plot, and then we'll get into endings. That's sort of the the loose game plan for this spoiler section, right? Yeah, yeah. I just I w- I just wanted to shout out Galerius right at the top because like he's the first oh, yeah. person you see as soon as you come into the city. He's so nice and good and like big big himbo vibes, but I think it's so fun. Okay, so like full spoilers just to be clear again. Yeah. But fu- like ev- we're going to talk about everything. But I just love that you know there's this vote that's supposed to happen between the current magistrate and this other guy who like wants to be the new magistrate, wants to get rid of the golden rule and stuff. And as you continue to talk to everybody in the city, like you just find out that nobody Nobody likes either of those people and everybody loves Galerius. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And Galerius is like never once thought about running for magistrate. He's like, why would I do like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, why on earth would I be the magistrate? That makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. It's and, like, so funny. One of the endings just involves like him becoming the magistrate, which is like the funniest nonsense. Well, that's that's the interesting thing is that like there is so there's like the th- three paths that like lead to an ending, you know, like the creative time paradox. Uh, there's someone who's missing who you have to find uh, Scintilla. Yeah. One of Sentius's daughters. Sentius is the magistrate. Uh, and then there's, I think collecting the plaques, which we'll get into in a yeah. bit. Yeah. But, uh, there's also just like other goals. So it's like, find this, deal with this. And one of them is to get Galerius to win the election, which is such a rewarding moment. And it's like, it ends perfectly. I thought it was like easily one of my favorite moments in the game. But yeah, Galerius is great. I think to touch on him while we're on the subject, I think that like, like we said earlier, every character is a philosophy or like an argument basically with the golden rule. Galerius is just really likable and really nice. But what I thought was really interesting and what was like a great writing choice is that he does have a really dark past. Like he has a really, yeah. you know, he, he's been the victim of a lot of tragedy at the hands of the Romans. So like he's a farmer and like the Roman soldiers like would visit his farm to just like steal shit and and you know it gets more and more horrific as they keep coming by so he has an anger within him and in the early parts of the game i was thinking like okay what in the moments where i'm trying to figure out like who is going to break the golden rule i'm like galerius is a suspect because he has this anger you know and and that's one of the first sort of twists on the golden rule it's like you meet all these people you meet like really shitty people who who want power for the worst reasons and then you meet this guy who like would probably only kill someone if they were an evil person but he might be the one you know so it's like right people who are willing to break the rule for a good cause like it's very much it goes into a lot of similar places as like the good place does with like arguing with like how do you 
keep track of someone's morality. You know, is an action inherently good or bad? Is it entirely based on the scenario itself? And the game really does explore almost every angle of that really, really well. I mean, I think one of the first examples of like the gray areas of the golden rule is you meet, I think it's Decius, a really seedy merchant who's like master of the house from Les Mis, basically. Like, yeah. you know, like, hey, friend, let me sell you a secret. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, really scummy. And he's selling medicine at like a really, really high price, which technically isn't a sin according to the golden rule. Right. Like, like price gouging is not a thing that breaks the golden rule somehow. And that's yeah. like, that was my first moment where I was like, oh, I see what you're doing video game. I, I Yeah, exactly. So I, I be- basically the first conundrum I was in, as I found out this merchant is charging way too much for medicine that the healer needs to save someone's life. Um, and she ends up dying. You know, she doesn't get it. So I stole the medicine, which broke the golden rule. And the game is like, hey, the game isn't over when you break the golden rule. Just so you know. And I went to the portal and I came back and I still had the medicine. So I could be I could tell Galerius like, hey, I have life saving medicine for this person. Go run and give it to them. So that was like the first kind of lesson of the game. And uh, other things are a little bit harder to find the solution for. But that was the first one that kind of like it was a great teaching moment of the game itself. Yeah, that was also, I think, the first thing for me, because I was like, okay, well, if it doesn't break the golden rule to price gouge for this medicine does it break the golden rule to steal it for a good reason like to save somebody's life uh and yeah immediately was like oh all right cool great one of the <laughs> one of the weird things about this game though is uh money is like really easy to come by like really easy like it is there's one spot in particular i don't know if you did the same thing i did but literally every time somebody broke the golden rule or i broke their golden rule or like something happened that set off the statues there's one spot you know when you start and you're at the temple of persephone and you go down there's that like fire pit where um yeah oh who is who is there is it lucretia is there and she's like uh, just kind of like talking to herself and like saying a bunch of stuff that eventually makes sense later. But like she's just kind of like muttering to herself in that area. There is a golden statue that is blocking a doorway Uh, that's like down a little kind of alleyway. And if you break the golden rule, that statue starts to hunt you like it comes after you. Yeah. So what you have to do to get through that doorway is you have to break the golden rule and then let that statue come out of that alleyway to like come after you. And if you go behind it, there's like three or four thousand gold back there. And you could just continue to do that every time. So at a certain point, I just started buying the medicine because like I didn't need I didn't need to like worry about any. I would just like buy the medicine. I would just keep get like throwing money at Galerius uh, for like everything. <laughs> like you could just like buy your way out of a lot of problems. I only needed to get it once. He just kept using it. I only, I only stole it once and I was good. Yeah. You might, you might be right. Actually. I'm, th- I'm thinking about the, the second thing uh, where those- there's other uses for the money. Yeah. yeah. And there's also like, there's a person who charges for rumors that you could, and like way too much. Yeah. You could just buy all the rumors, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. But no, it, you're right. It is like, there is an option where like uh, you could just, <laughs> that it's so funny to think of like the meta breaking the rule where it's like, Oh, I haven't broken the golden rule, but I did. And I stole, and I got paid for it. And now I'm back with money. So I don't have to break it this time. Yeah. Very yeah. silly. But yeah. So I guess like, do you want to talk more about sort of characters who stand at moments? Or do you want to get more into like the flow of the A plot? Uh, um, I, I wonder if that might like free us a bit to kind of cover that and then talk about moments. 
I, I was going to keep um, talking about Galerius, but if, if you wanted to pivot to that, then that's fine. Go for it. No, no, I love it. This is a Galerius bonus. My, my thing about Galerius that I really appreciate, just like going back to what we were discussing about him earlier, about like, you know, there's two people who want to be the magistrate and Galerius who does not like, especially hot off the heels, like now having played the Mass Effect trilogy in between uh, my first and now second run of the Forgotten City. Like Mass Effect 3 is all about leaders who have leadership thrust onto them and they like don't think they're prepared for it and they don't want it. And it's I love I love that Galerius is like that little arc that that entire game is about just kind of like wrapped up into one character who just like goes and runs around and does all this like really wonderful stuff for people to sway their vote that he doesn't even realize is happening. Yeah, because there's all this other. I mean, you have to go. um so there's um, Sentius, who like is the magistrate currently and is running again. Um, if you I don't know if you did this, but if you just like let the vote happen, like if you don't change anything, you could just hang out at where the vote happens, literally do nothing. And like the vote will still happen as planned. It goes like very poorly. It goes like really terribly. Uh, so Sentius loses. Obviously, the first act is that Sentius is essentially going to get killed uh, for making everybody live under the golden rule. And obviously that sets off the golden rule. Uh, and that's, you know, the end of that loop, essentially. There's another version uh, of it where, uh, what, what oh, shit, what is his name? Uh, Maliolus, right? Maliolus, Ma- Maliolus yeah. who is the other guy who wants to be uh, the magistrate. You can convince him to drop out of the election, which usually the next step, because I imagine you've like played enough of the game to know that you could do this, you would then go tell Galerius, like, Maliolus has dropped out, so now it would be you versus Sentius, and, you know, if you've given Galerius enough good deeds to do in one loop, he will just win. Um, there's another version of this, which I checked out in this in this run, where I just didn't tell Galerius to go run for the election, so Sentius just showed up at the election, and Maliolus never did, uh, which I, like, really loved, because what happens at the end of that is uh, Sentius wins, obviously, by default, because he's running unopposed. Nobody wants to go up against him. And Maliolus's like, weird armored, like, friend slash bodyguard guy uh, gets so mad that he tries killing Sentius anyway and immediately goes after him and then, obviously, again, breaks the golden rule in doing... Like, even just saying out loud, like, I'm going to kill you is what sets off the golden rule. Um, <laughs> even having... Which I I thought was very interesting because that happens more than once where somebody has like somebody expresses the desire to murder. It's not even that they have to do it. They just have to express the desire to do it. Um, And that's enough to set off the golden rule. That's a very interesting like subhead bullet point and like what what justifies a sin here, which I I, I think we haven't set out right. But it's like probably worth saying a lot of the game and a lot of the reason that each character is focused on a different philosophy is that like the golden rule is so malleable and what constitutes a sin is so up for interpretation. And a lot of the game is like exploring a lot of different characters versions of what it is. But it's also like about asking yourself that question as the player, obviously, uh, like what is what is a moral code? But it's also about like, where the fuck did this come from? Like where like everyone's guessing at what the golden rule actually means. And everybody's trying to live by their own code of honor. This in place. Yeah, yeah. And like when you eventually find out in the fourth ending, like whose golden rule you're following, it's so annoying. (laughs) Like, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that in a like pejorative way at all. Like, I actually really love that. It's so fucking annoying that like an old fucking space god is the one who set up the golden rule like (laughs) for kicks. Like it sucks so much that the 
version of the golden rule we're following it was set in place by like a multi-thousand year old like shitty deity like angry teenager in his basement playing the sims like that sucks so (laughs) bad it's like such a hilarious ending to this game. I for, personally like canon ending wise. I thought it was great. We'll talk about it more later. But like, yeah, I I, I really want to build up to that. Yeah, uh, I have a lot to say about that. Um, but I think I think you're right. I think that is like the the game is immediately and constantly critiquing the golden rule itself. Yes, you know, and and the people who like it are the ones that are either taking advantage of it or are ignoring it. Basically, yeah, right. One other outcome at the election is when Galerius wins, he goes to uh, free a character named Dooley who's imprisoned and Dooley ends up breaking the golden rule, which is like, it's kind of a weird moment. I feel like uh, we've talked about like Dooley as a character is like a little bit problematic in the characterization and the approach to his character. I do think it's, it's another moment in which the golden rule is criticized, in my opinion, where like. Galerius wins. He's the one who should win. And he does a good thing by freeing Dooley, which ends up breaking the golden rules. It's like, how, how does that make sense? How does, how does everyone die because two good things happened? <laughs> yeah. You know, versus like Maliolus or Sentius winning. But I think like it's a moment that also fails a bit just because of how they approach the character of Dooley. Yeah. I do appreciate that, that angle of like, Every once in a while, somebody does what is objectively the right. Well, I guess that's kind of the problem, right? Is uh, there is no right. objectively here, but somebody does something that like you think is the right thing and it ends up like blowing up in your face and, and turning into a sin for some reason uh, because of the weird Sims teenager playing the video game. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, I really I really appreciate that. Um, that angle here, it I, it's weird to keep going back to Mass Effect, but like there are a couple of moments in Mass Effect. I'm just like, everything is Mass Effect to me now. Uh, welcome to my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are a couple instances in which Mass Effect like punishes you for doing the Paragon thing. And I think that that makes that yeah. game stronger. Yes. What I love about the Forgotten City is that like that is not only like a really cool thing to do narratively, but like serves the overall thematic arc of this thing. As I just said, like, there is no objectivity here. Everything is subjective, which is wild. I think the I think the wildest thing is uh like what Sentius is up to is like yes. you know, that's he I think what happens with Sentius over the course of the game is like a really interesting lens through which you can kind of like view all of it, right? Because you show up and he's like you're brought to him essentially. You're like delivered to him. He wants to talk to you. He knows you're from the future. He immediately is like i need you to help me you're my man on the inside like you got to find out who's going to break the golden rule etc 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 meanwhile on the side and again full spoilers i'll stop saying that but uh like that dude has figured out literally every way to interpret and like sneak around the golden rule without actually breaking it that dude is like the most heinous fucking guy and for him to have figured that out is so scary. You know what I mean? Like I, I, th- I think Senti oh, yeah. is like as a dude, I mean, should we just say what his whole thing is? Is that, that's probably, yeah, I think, I think so. If, if, if it's coming up organically, I mean, so Sentius's character is again, introduced as the magistrate and he's the one who performs the ritual to have you go through the time loop. But like you, he also retains the memory of every loop. So he also remembers what happens every time. And from his point of view, the golden rule and the time loops and his his ability to remember everything essentially makes him immortal. 
Yeah. So he wants to keep this going forever because he's like, I have been given immortality. I get to enjoy being in charge of this gorgeous villa and literally nothing you can do can harm me. And uh, he also keeps when you, you find this out, when you go looking for scintilla, she's like in a locked uh, cistern, like near the is like an aqueduct thing. Yeah, it's like towards the top of the city. The whole city is in like a gigantic cave and she's at the cistern, like at the top of the cave, essentially. Exactly. So you go in there and she's like locked up. And then after talking to her for a bit, you basically find out like uh, Sentius shows up and reveals his true colors. There's also a uh, there's graffiti somewhere in the city that says um, Sentius and Maliolus, uh, same shit, different stink, basically. Yeah, because Maliolus, I think, leads evil like people are voting for him because his whole platform is let's get rid of the golden rule. And some people, some people don't even believe of the golden rule. They think it's just like a scam Sentius put in place to like remain in charge to scare people. Yeah. There's even a, there's, there's even an assassin who shows up at one point knowing that, oh, yeah. knowing that the people in the forgotten city believe in the golden rule and thinks that you're a cult. And there's literally like, you could go exhaust. And I did exhaust every single dialogue option. And that dude is like, you guys are in a cult. Like clearly. Yeah. I loved that. That dialogue. That was a really tense moment the first time. It's like, Oh shit. There's someone with a weapon. Oh, Oh, no yeah let's get out of here yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and then quickly you know once you figure out how to defeat him it's it's like hey galerius can you go <laughs> tell so-and-so to not hide in the shrine yeah um <laughs> but uh anyway um Sentius's reveal so it's actually interesting because i got the canon ending first i That's missed so wild saving Sentilla, so i didn't get any of that with Sentius until I went back and played the other endings. It's amazing. So if you don't get that scene, Sentius kind of comes off as like a, like, you know, soft Machiavellian figure where yeah. like, he's not evil, but he's also like, like, there's a great conversation with him in the very beginning where, um, you're from the modern times. He's from the Roman empire. And he's like, you know, we're the peak of civilization. And you bring up all the fucked up things about Roman civilization, you know, slavery, the gladiator fights, all these things. And he excuses all of them. And he's like, how could you say we're barbaric? We're the peak of this. And that's another recurring theme is like, yeah, thinking your civilization is the best basically. And that everyone else is beneath you. But also I think the optimism that like, as humanity continues to progress, sort of like a Star Trek optimism where it's like humanity itself will eventually overcome its own inner turmoil. But there are these repeated mistakes that keep being made, yeah, you know, the yeah. sort of like erasure of other cultures and civilizations. And uh, I found that to be pretty effective. But yeah, Sentius is, is scary. And he's also, you know, his if you want to say what his view of the golden rule is, is just taking advantage of the immortality. He's almost like the opposite of the player where he's been gifted the retaining of memories. Like he could help you. Like if he was a better person, yeah. he could be helping you do what you end up doing. But he chooses to be the villain instead, um, which is very scary. Very scary character. Yeah. And and I think you're right. Like Maliolus on the outset is like so clearly evil, like very quickly. Yeah. And like, ha you know, is, is ill intentioned as evidenced by the fact that as the second he wins, he breaks the golden rule, which is very silly. But <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think Sentius being like more secretly evil uh, was was fun. Was a fun twist. I can't believe that you got the oh, fourth yeah. ending first and like didn't know anything about <laughs> Sentius. That must have been wild to go back. Yeah. Oh, it was. He revealed. So Al Worth, when you go looking for him, uh, you find a like an old corpse that has hung itself, and there's a note from Al being like. I tried, you know, to save the city. I tried to help them, but like, yeah, 
you'll soon discover the only way out is suicide. And uh, when you, you know, that that kind of lingers with you as you begin your journey and doing these loops. And then Sentius is like, you remind me of Al. Like he also, like he remembers Al and Al's failed attempt to save everyone. Yeah. And he's like, eventually you'll do the same thing and I will keep living and enjoying this villa that I control. Like so scary. Yeah. Really, really scary villain. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he, uh, he kidnapped his own daughter and put her up in a cistern and is keeping her like chained up. And somehow that doesn't break the golden rule, uh, which is terrifying. My thing about Sentius is like, look, man, he's he's a villain who has figured out that he lives in a time loop, remembers all of it. Just the worst day to relive, though. <laughs> you know, like he just right. Like he is so fucking cursed. I can't believe he's like, yeah, this is a thing that I want to perpetuate. This is good. <laughs> he doesn't even do anything different every day. He does the same. He just stands up on his balcony every day. doesn't change anything. He just kind of sits there yeah. and takes it all in. Uh that that dude needed to branch out. If he really did remember every loop, <laughs> he needed to learn something about himself. Do something new. Yeah, do what Galerius is doing. Yeah, just hang out. Galerius, meanwhile, invented the zip line in ancient Rome, <laughs> uh, which is hilarious. There are zip lines all around the city, and he invented them, uh, which is great. So that's cool. <laughs> I love when he gives it to you, too. He just like... It's like your second loop or your third loop or something. He's like, hey, have this. It's something I just whipped up yeah. and then just walks away. <laughs> like, what are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> what do you mean you just whipped this up? It's funny, too, because he has a crush on on someone else who lives in the city. And he's like, can you, like, grab this hard to get flower, like, off the zip line and give it to her and tell her it's from a secret admirer? And then you give it to her. She's like, oh, yeah, I know. Like, what? It was glorious, right? Yeah. Like, he's the most obvious guy ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love him, too. But, like, what is this? Yeah. Just tell me. Very, very amazing. It's nice. Like, I think it was important to have, like, a friend here. Like, there are other likable characters. But, like, yeah. it's good to have, like, okay, like, Sentius is going to be the the eternal villain. But Galerius, like, has my back no matter what, you know? which is a great, a great feeling. Mm -hmm. I think the other, I mean, while we're talking about like characters and moments, I think the standout character for me outside of, you know, Sentius being the obvious villain and, uh, and I mean, Maliolus as well. I mean, his, his introduction is great because the first time you meet him, actually one of my favorite moments is you're on like very high up near the great temple that's locked. And there are two characters who are secretly Christians that are like, you know, like basically indebted to Maliolus. He's like, force this debt onto them and they're like trying to hide that they're Christians to avoid, you know, persecution, persecution yeah. or, or execution or whatever. And there's a guy uh, who, if you don't help, he jumps off the cliff. And if you go investigate the statues, go the statues, whisper tips to you throughout the whole game. It's worth mentioning. Yeah. And as soon as that happens, the statues go jump. And I was like, what do you mean? Like what yeah. is going to happen? Yeah. And you do, and you end up jumping right into like the water like the fountain in Maliolus's like villa. And as you land, you hear him practicing his like acceptance speech right to himself, like very just, you know, and of course Maliolus's whole thing is like, he's secretly like this, this traitor to Rome that like resulted in like a city burning, like just like an awful guy, but like yeah. even his new identity also sucks. Like he just is two bad guys. Yeah, it's just the same guy. You know? He just changed his name. Yeah. Yeah. He's no longer uh Quintus or whatever. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I think the other standout character to me was the uh, hermit philosopher in the underground. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a guy you meet like in the caves, but like he lives pretty far away from everyone else. Like you kind of have to you either will stumble into him or like 
just you know not an obvious character to find you have to like sneak around the back of a statue through like a hidden door that like yeah it's not even like lit by a candle you just like really have to stumble into it but it leads you to this like underground cavern system that leads you to him which is fascinating he kind of sets you off on a little mini quest of his own which i think is fun really interesting he he's great and and yeah exactly so when you first talk to him he's like tell me like i would love to engage with you in debate but like before i say anything like do you know who's in charge here? Like whose golden rule this is? I think that's the question. Like, yeah, who made the golden rule? And if you're like, I don't know, he's like, oh, oh, sweet child, come back like in a few hours after yeah. a couple loops. Um, and basically one of the biggest, the earliest plot reveals is like trying to figure out like one of the things you can ask every character is like, how'd you end up here? Like what right. brought you to the city? Everyone mentions a few different things. There's a constant mentioning of a coin of a river of like a moment of confusion or hustle. And then they woke up there. Um, it's so obvious in retrospect, which is infuriating. I know. But like, you know, you eventually find out that this whole place is the underworld. This is Pluto's domain, uh, the God of the dead or Hades, a God of many names, as you'll learn. So essentially this is like a, a little project in hell that is like kind of a, a moral conundrum. Yeah. So, you know, you, the, the first the first big thing that I think simplifies a lot is, like, OK, we're in we're in hell. We're in the afterlife. We're in purgatory. Everyone here has died uh, and we got to figure out like, you know, so, OK, how do we get out of here? So the character you discover that with is like, well, you can like look for an escape of your own. And, and she recites other mythological tales you can be like you know hercules and face mm-hmm. the god of the dead head on or you could seek persephone's aid and uh it's loosely implied that like maybe persephone is the one whispering to you through the statues right i mean it's i think it's persepina like her her roman name the temple but yes. in you know the time loop is in her temple so again in retrospect it's pretty obvious she's helping you but the thing, the thing I thought you were alluding to was uh, the fact that when you ask everybody how they showed up, everybody says that they woke up on the side of a river and like a person told them to come in. And like when you when you do it immediately uh, at, at the beginning, she's like, you know, she kind of refuses to tell you what her name is. And you're like, come on, like, I'm not just going to do this thing for you if you don't tell me who you are. And she's like, well, people just like react weird if I tell them what my name is. It's like, OK, what is it? And she's like, it's Karen. And it's like, oh, OK, like, I get it. Like, you know. There's like a whole like zeitgeist to people like dunking on the name Karen all the time now. Like that's understandable. And then, you know, like two, three hours later, you've asked enough people who all say that they woke up on the side of a river. It's like, oh, my God, it's not like it's not K-A-R-E-N. God uh, damn it. It's fucking Karen. <laughs> it's Karen. Oh, shit. It was Karen. <laughs> yeah, that I love that reveal. It was so aggravating in like my favorite way so i think it's worth pointing out there are so many reveals in this game that could have been met with like fuck off yeah. like you know, like i feel like like if they didn't so clearly have an idea and like foreshadow it constantly and in retrospect you're like it was so obvious like it would be bullshit you know it's like it's such a silly and almost tired concept like oh it's purgatory cool <laughs> but like it really works like you really are like oh shit okay so at that point you know you're given new quest objectives and uh when you then 
armed with that knowledge, go to the philosopher at that point, and and they pace it well because I think the whole game is so open to like how you progress and what happens. But I think the philosopher, like you said, is really locked until you at least know that. Yeah. So by the time you go back to him, you probably have talked to a lot of people. You probably gone through a lot of loops. You probably like are pissed at the golden rule as a concept. Yeah. And you sit down, you have a debate with him, and he basically keeps asking you like. Can anyone definitively say what is good or bad? You know, is there any code of conduct that is like objective in that way? And his argument is essentially that any any code of law, any moral code is not necessary for those who are pure of heart and the wicked will always find a way to work around it, Mm -hmm. which like. I don't agree with in terms of like not having laws, yeah. but I do think that like in terms of of uh, placing a a like, okay this this is the one law the one rule everyone has to follow. I think that like I read that as the game's answer to the golden rule at least. That's like no matter what type of system you put into play here, teen angst, God playing The Sims, it's never going to stop corruption. Uh, there the the people here who want power like sentients are going to figure out a way to abuse it, you know, which is not like, again, it's not really, as I say that out loud, I think of like, that is often the argument to like prevent important laws from being passed where it's like, well, you know, people are going to be people like, yeah, um, I don't want it to come off that way, but I, I think it is actually a very good response to the golden rule where again, it's like we consistently see the intention and, and certain actions being punished and, you know, that's why laws have like addendums to them and are constantly changing. You know, it's important to have a code of conduct that is flexible and is adaptable because right. you can't just have one thing set in place. Right. Because going back to what Sentius said about being the peak of human civilization and morality. Right. And how could we possibly be brutes? You know, you're sitting there on your high horse asking him all those questions, thinking like, OK, well, what about this about Roman civilization and this and this and this? But of course... Give it another 2000 years and I'm sure people are going to look back on right now and be like, what the fuck were they thinking? Oh, my God. You know? Like, it's Absolutely. just going to I give it 50. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it would be it would be upsetting know? if we lived at the pinnacle of morality right now. You know, that that's not that's not cool. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think that this game takes a really great approach to that, especially following what happens with that conversation. Uh, well, first of all, one one little reveal I like about that conversation is that he essentially is from like many loops ago, not even loops, but like he essentially was part of a different group of people who were sent to live in the city who broke the golden rule. And he and a bunch of people lived underground far away from the golden statues where they couldn't be found. And they've just been living down there. And he's like the last of them, essentially. But yeah, he, he's right. like multiple groups of people have lived in that city after my group. Uh, and all of them have broken the golden rule eventually and have been turned to gold. And I just like live down here in my weird cave and think about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and he's like weirdly yeah. kind of he's he's sad, but he's like at peace, you know, but I think seems he, like it. Yeah. But I, I do think that's a great idea. And that also leads to more reveals with uh, the character Kabosh and like that whole path goes down to getting the tiles. But I guess before we go down that. Uh, do we want to get into endings now? Is I guess is my question. Yeah, I feel or I feel like we're careening towards the fourth ending with that conversation. So I'll just say, yeah. uh, if you pick the gun in the beginning, <laughs> you can immediately walk into the city and shoot Sentius because he's a bad guy 
uh, and you immediately get the first ending, <laughs> which is sick. <laughs> you can do it in like a couple minutes. Uh, it was the first thing I did on my second playthrough because I remember I remembered that that was one of the endings because, uh, you know, if you're playing the game without the gun, you can get a bow eventually by killing the assassin and et cetera, et cetera. Um, you get the bow and you bring it. And uh, one of one of the many, many leads that you're tracking is like figure out a way to cause a time paradox, like cause cause a paradox. And the whole deal um, is that essentially Sentius has brought you in here and Sentius is responsible for keeping the loop going. So by killing Sentius, he can't bring you back. He can't start the loop over the loop, like can't exist without him doing that little ritual slash right thing every time the, the golden rule is broken. So if you take him out and that ends, you immediately get just like spat out of the Forgotten City back into your modern time and you and Alworth are hanging out uh, is pretty much how it works. Uh, Alworth is there and he's like, hey, I just found this weird tablet that said that you murdered a fucking guy in cold blood and like everybody died and it's your fault. And he just like yells at you and you're like, no, 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 I did it so I could escape. He's like, but you killed so many people. <laughs> Like you are responsible <laughs> yeah, that for is... so many deaths and you could be like well Sentius mm-hmm. is a bad guy it doesn't matter Alworth is like fuck you man <laughs> you're an asshole yeah and that's how they get and then it, the credits roll <laughs> like that's ending one uh which I yeah, he says I, I guess love. it's right the many shall suffer for the sins of the one yes exactly that's that's the bad ending for sure pretty much that yeah. is that is by far the bad ending I mean it's even funny like if you don't if you approach Sentius with the bow like it goes into dialogue and he's like if you kill me like here's what will happen yeah uh it's almost the game being like hey no 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 this is not the ending you want yeah uh and then you know but you know if you need all four endings to do a bonus episode about it you got to do it (laughs) i was just curious enough honestly because i i think that was the no that was the second ending it is no it's ending one oh you got ending no no that that was the second ending i got because the the first thing that happened was i went and found scintilla that was the first ending i got i found scintilla up in the cistern so i guess it's worth mentioning ending number two is called uh the one that got away and what that involves is you going up finding scintilla sentia shows up reveals his evil dastardly scheme twirls his mustache um and you know you and scintilla eventually get away you talk to him until scintilla like murders him essentially um and the two of you escape it's a great moment of revenge though she lights him on fire it's great yeah it's really good yeah and uh and you get out but the game is like hey it's cool that you got out it's cool that you freed scintilla but like everyone else in the city is dead now like yeah, it's cool that you got out. You're the one that got away. But like, maybe there's a way to get more people out. So I did that ending and was like, wow, Sentius is evil. That sucks. That's difficult to swallow because the next time you go into the loop, he's like, ha ha ha. I remember this. I remember everything. I remember. Oh, shit. Which is great. Uh, and I immediately took my bow out and I shot him in the face. <laughs> and then that <laughs> because I was like, you're a villain and I have a bow and you don't. Uh, and that's how I got the first ending originally. But uh, then I got, you know, Alworth yelling at me and everybody being like, hey, that sucks. This is the bad ending. I do like that the three endings are like <laughs> on the spectrum of like, you know, bad to good. There's four endings and yeah, you kind of make your yeah. way towards good. Um, the third ending I love because as you continue to play the game, you start to, you know, figure out people's like daily problems and, you know, you can go help them out with various things. As we were talking about early on, there's somebody who's dying. You have to get the medicine. As we were talking about, there's somebody who's going to jump off of a, a cliff and you can convince them not to because the whole thing is that they owe Maliolus a shitload of money and you can just get that money and just give it to them. And then, hey, they're free. They bought their own freedom. Great, sick, cool. You can do all of that. You can get all of that to happen. 
and you can tell Galerius like, hey, help all of these people. It's like five or six different people and meet me up at the cistern. And the way that plays out is you go and do the exact same thing that happened with Scintilla. The only difference is that Galerius brought some of those people with him. He can't bring everyone, but he brings as many people as he possibly can. Uh, and then you all get out. And that's that one's called The Ones That Got Away. And that's like the slightly good ending. And and then even then the game is like, but what if you could get everyone out? Like, what if there was a way yeah. where you could like help everybody, not just those few people that Galerius was able to round up, you know, before the world fucking ended. And that le- that leads you into ending number four. What, what was your what was your order? You got four first. I got four first, and then I went back and did one, two, three. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is bizarre, because honestly, four is like, it, it's called the canon ending. It's the one that I think speaks to the game's intention most directly. Yeah. And it's the happiest. So, like, it was actually kind of weird to go back. I do think two and three were were satisfying in their own way. I think it's definitely good to learn about Sentius. Like, that's yes. a huge piece of missing information for me. <laughs> um, it's even funny, too, because in the episode, I talked to Scintilla and she's like, we don't, I don't know who you are, but there's a whole thing that happened. It's okay. No one else knew either. Oh my God. There's different dialogue. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it will, it's yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, but, um, to rewind a bit. So the lead up to the fourth ending, you've got to get all the plaques, which I guess just for whatever reason, that's what interested me the most. So I followed that the most. Yeah. Cause you know, you had this, you had this conversation with the philosopher and, um, it's the most video gamey, you know, of all of them. It's like, yeah, yeah go like fetch quest for four hidden slabs and then put them into a tower and then, you know, unlock a secret door. Like it feels very, <laughs> feels very video gamey. Totally. That was why I didn't do it first specifically. It was like, I got that. And I was like, I'm gearing up towards an ending. I don't know which one is going to come first, but that one seems like the most involved, which made me think it was like whatever the big one was. So I, I, I specifically avoided that one. Yeah. And I, I guess I didn't have the context of like how you could just sort of like get all the endings like at once. Like I thought it was more of like a based on your choices ending sort of thing. Mm. There's a uh, you're, you're told, OK, there are there are four plaques you need that were on the Great Temple at one point. One is Greek, one is Roman, uh, one is Egyptian, and then one is the mystery plaque. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting, too, again, I think this is something that we brought up in the regular episode about this game. Setting it in Rome, I think, is such a good decision for so many reasons. Yeah. And there's a lot of characters in the city who are Greek who kind of like scoff at the names of the Roman gods. and like, They just took all our shit. And, you know. <laughs> It's it's Hades, not Pluto. It's Persephone, not Persephone. Yeah. So there's that kind of seed planted of like, uh, you know, uh, the erasure of the Greek culture and replacing it with the Roman culture. When you are looking for the Egyptian plaque, uh, the philosopher is like, oh, Kabash was here and he has it, but he ran off. So you go deeper down to the dungeons and you find Kabash and he's furious and uh, he's Egyptian. So I, I, I imagine he's probably also a survivor from, you know, different waves of people ago and uh he's like you know the romans and the greeks are despicable it was our shit was first the egyptians were here first yeah they took all our gods and renamed them you know this city was egyptian and they rebuilt everything yeah but he finds the mystery plaque well you you you're exploring what is what looks like another version of the forgotten city that was like clearly built 
by the Egyptians. Like you're, yes. as you're making your way through it, you're like, holy shit, this is like so obviously another version of this. You even if you're playing as the archaeologist, you can read the stuff that's written around. Oh, oh that's so cool. And you can yeah. see other plaques that say the sins of the many or sorry, uh, the many shall suffer for the sins of the one. Like you keep seeing that in in other iterations, which I really love. But yeah, he finds the mystery plaque. And you try you talk, you're talking to him and you try to convince him to give it to you but he's so disgusted by it he like throws it down like a deeper pit and he's like no one no one can see this i'm throwing this away and you go and you find it and it's a sumerian plaque right which essentially what kabash discovered is that the egyptians did the same thing to the sumerians that the Greeks did to the Egyptians and then the Romans did to the Greeks. It's the cycle of in the forgotten city, one culture building on top of another right. and sort of like swapping out yeah. for their own gods and their own architecture. My read on it was that hypothetically, whoever is like the superpower at the time, uh, whoever is like, I mean, we'll get to what happens, I guess, as you go further in. Yeah. But like my understanding of it was that whatever name for the gods is the strongest at the time is who gets the forgotten city was my was my yes read on it so like for a time the sumerians were like the ones who were holding up the name of the the evil god the, the highest right uh and and eventually they got you know usurped as like a civilization one by one whether they wanted it or not unfortunately uh yeah yeah and uh, so that, that just it's a really great moment. It's also very tense. because I think he's like I think he threatens to kill you, uh, which breaks the golden rule. And you have he to like, run out of the ruins. Yes. Yeah, that was very difficult. I that happened to me the first yeah. time. That's where running fast can really help. <laughs> it's like <laughs> okay, that, yeah. that encounter. Totally. But uh, I do think you're right. I think the ability to read the Egyptian inscriptions there would be so cool. Yeah, it's great. But essentially, once you're armed with the four plaques, you can then enter the great temple. You you place them all in a thing. And what's really great is like you walk through the hall and at the door you say like, Pluto, I demand an audience. And then you go through another hall that has, you know, Greek arrangement. And you say, Hades, I demand an audience. Yeah. Um, I think Egyptian is Anubis or Osiris. I can't remember which one. I know there's like God of Death and God of the Afterlife. I think it's Anubis. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, I believe the Sumerian God of the Dead is uh, Nergal. Yeah. Nergal, God of the Dead. See, so you, you sort of you say all four names of the God of the Dead and the door is open and it is 2001 Space Odyssey, like blinding white hallway space in yeah. the distance. So I, I got to admit, I even after the reveal of like, oh, we're in the afterlife, I didn't fully buy it yet. I'm like, there's going to be another twist. Like there's going to be like another mm. thing. Maybe I'm like rewired from 13 Sentinels that I need like eight <laughs> twists, but I was just like, there's going to be something else. And uh, you you walk down the hall and you meet, you meet the God of the afterlife, the God of the dead. And again, like you mentioned, the way the gods are interpreted in this game is not as actual gods really, but as, you know, beings <laughs> from another part of the universe that are beyond us, but are seen as gods, essentially. How did you um, feel about this? It's, it's implied. I I thought it really worked because I think what's really great about this moment is that you have you can talk to him for a long time and yeah. you basically can ask him like everything like why did this start essentially 
For plot reasons, he explains that this whole project began because he and his like other alien gods were on Earth and they and they taught people like how to live on their own and like gave them instructions on how to live in society. But then, you know, like kind of gave up and like wanted to just move back. But Persephone, his wife, like believed in humanity and like wanted to give them a chance. Right. So she essentially they they come up they came up with a rule. I guess like implied Zeus alien <laughs> was like <laughs> if you know if you can arrange a, a city of people who can live without sinning for X time, you know, then humanity can come back with us and live, you know, in splendor on whatever yeah. God planet we live on. I think it's like a year. It's like not that long too. Yeah, it's not that long. <laughs> and and Persephone, I think, actually became mortal to like be like essentially the bargaining chip. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, like she is eventually like I think she's preserved in some way. Like she's like frozen. Yeah. She can only communicate by whispering through the statues. And he, Hades, Pluto, Nergal, Anubis doesn't know that she's been whispering to you. There's right. a great moment where like you can almost tell him and then she goes, he can't know. Like it's really, it's really tense. Yeah. Um, it's really good. But it worked for me because it really mirrored the beginning conversation with Sentius where this whole conversation, like you're pointing out the flaws of the golden rule. Yeah. And he, he almost folds. Like you almost convince him because you're like price gouging medicine. A father locked up his daughter in this. Like your law allowed for all these sins to happen. I, there's a moment where you bring up Maliolus and he's like, his cruelty does seem to grow by the day. Like it is almost a recognition of the flaw of the system. But then he defaults back to like, oh, you don't understand. We're we're the peak of civilization. You know, we're this. And yeah. it's it's very much like it's the same thing as telling Sentius like crucifixions, gladiator fights, slavery. These are all fucked up things that you are condoning. And then you do that to someone who is apparently beyond you. You know, this this <laughs> otherworldly figure. Yeah. I think by making them essentially aliens, it mortalizes them. And it, it, it you know, because all the Greek gods are based off of mortals they all have the same flaws as we do yeah so i think that like they're all they're all conduits for exploring the different flaws of humanity that's what they've always been exactly right? and that's and that's what that moment did for me i think by by not making him truly a god it allowed for that interrogation to carry more weight i think yeah e- even if he was a god i think you could still have that scene but the fact that like he's just like i'm I'm from a different planet and we're so evolved that like there's no way you could ever understand me is like so silly and such a great reason for him to be such a shit yeah so there is one thing that i haven't seen in this game that i like forgot about until right now uh that you mentioned it but i think i think it was on the besties episode about this that they talked about this but you can convince him that the golden rule sucks like oh so in most in most versions of that dialogue tree he has that turn and is like you won't you don't get it we're higher we're, we're higher evolution than you etc cetera, etc cetera. um but there is a version where you can get him to reckon with that and i i am curious what that entails and like what that means because outside of that it then turns into very video gamey shit again like at least the way i played it was i essentially broke persephone's case took her crown died 
and then came back again. And he was like, ha ha, foolish mortal. I was like, just shut the fuck up. I have this crown. Like I, I've been here. We can do this over and over again. It's the end of Dr. Strange, right? It's, it's, it's Dr. Strange against Dormammu. Like Dormammu have come to bargain over and over and over again. He's like, this is only the second time I've been here. I've already done this. Do you want to do this a billion times? Or do you want to just like say that it's over right now? (laughs) And yeah. And he's like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. We should just stop. Um, (laughs) And it's great. That's interesting that you can convince him. Yeah. I almost kind of feel like it's better if you don't convince him. Because I think it points out the flaws a bit more. I think so too. Yeah. And yeah. And as you're saying, it gets back to, you know, this, this kind of like trifecta of looking back at the history of what morality is and what goodness is, you know, and, and, and Sentius thinking that he's the peak you sitting there thinking that you're the peak and then here's literally a fucking space god who like is apparently immortal and thinks that they're the peak over you and that there's no way that you could understand what true morality is but it's like clearly right and i guess i guess the the theme there too is like well that's a constant critique of like you're never at the peak the other thing is like humanity will continue to grow It, it goes back to star trek where it's like in, in that in next generation Q always says like humanity is at this like kind of deciding moment of whether or not they're worthy of like the galaxy or not you know not in yeah. like a uh, pioneer way but in like a, are you like you know are, are you worthy of the attention of like the rest of what's out there yeah. you know or are you still stuck in your own ways and doing the own you know r- routinely making the same mistakes yeah so there is an optimism kind of interlaced with the I guess, pessimism that like, you know, there will always be something to point out in a bulleted list of like, what about this, this and this, you know? (laughs) But uh, I mean, you know, modern day, more civilized than the Roman Empire, for sure. Yeah. Uh, And I imagine that Pluto wasn't full of shit. I imagine the God planet is probably way better than 2021 Earth. Uh, Maybe. But but if that's their system of laws, maybe not. Right, right, exactly. And uh, it goes back to, you know, the the argument or the debate with uh, the hermit philosopher kept ringing up in my head in that exchange with the God where it's like, you can't impose this code of law on us because it doesn't really prove anything other than anyone's inability to say what's objectively right or wrong. Yeah, Um, yeah. So I, I thought it was a really cool moment. I, 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 I've seen some people bounce off the space alien God thing. It's really not as silly as it sounds. But I, I, do I get think- it. I get why people would see that and be like, I'm, I'm fucking out. Yeah, I very much get it. <laughs> I personally was like totally sold on it. I, I, I thought it was like such a fun reveal. I was so buckled up and ready for some real like weird shit. And it's exciting. It's an exciting exchange. Like it's very tense. I think so too. They really sell that he is a god in some capacity. I mean, yeah. even though he's not like you do, you are intimidated by him. You're like, it, it's the first conversation you have where you're like really unsure of how it's going to go. Like you're like, Oh, what if I say the wrong thing? Here? Yeah. You know, like I, I think, I think a lot of the tension there and a lot of the success uh, of that scene depends on how quickly you buy into the fact that the game also knows that he sucks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cause you meet yes. him and it's supposed to be this big, like exciting thing. And I could see you sitting down playing through that game, getting to that ending, being like, Oh my God, I can't believe what the fuck is happening. And then you start talking to him and he's like, not what you thought he was going to be. There are two paths for your brain to take. One of them is like, this is a little bit disappointing. I wish that it kind of lived up to the hype in a way or the other version, which feels to me more thematically on point, which is that like, yeah, even this, even this God from space uh, doesn't know what's good. (laughs) 
Like literally. Again, going back to Mass Effect, it's like Javik with the Protheans, where it's like when you meet yeah. the gods that you, you have worshipped, you're going to be disappointed because they're probably a reflection of you in yeah. some way. Yeah. I don't want to spoil another video game, but it reminds me a lot of the <laughs> ending of Firewatch, too. I still have to play that. The, the end of Firewatch tends to bump up against that kind of thing, too, which is like there are two ways for the game to end. I won't say what it is, but it feels very similar to this, where one ending that a lot of people had in their head uh, is like where the story was leading. And the other version of it, the one that actually exists, is what the story needed. It's it's what made sense thematically. You know, it, it gets back to like the basics of storytelling and character writing, which is like every character wants something, but their arc is about what they need. That feels to me like what this game is doing, right? Like when you hit that point, like you you as a player want that exchange to be like fucking eye-opening and revolutionary and like this really kind of like horrific moment in a way uh or or this really enlightening moment um and instead it being disappointing is better for the overall story and it eventually leads to what happens afterwards which is i don't know i feel like you you get your cake and eat it too in that case yeah uh, essentially the so what happens with the canon ending is after that and uh persephone is the one who's like take my crown that will convince him yeah you know which leads to that decision essentially what follows that is uh, I believe, you know, he Pluto, the God of the Dead, agrees to call off this whole project. And uh, I think the next scene is is similar where you like end up back in present day with Al yeah. and uh, you're like, oh, hey, Al, how's it going? And he's like, I don't remember you. Uh, and you, you know, catch up for a little bit. And then you go back to uh, Karen. Uh, she's like, oh, you found Al. Great. And you're like, cut the crap, Karen. I know yeah. your shit. I've been through hell. I met the God of hell. I know everything. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, check out these glowing eyes. Um, <laughs> and uh, basically reveals uh, like, OK, cool. And and tells you that like, OK, like you and Al also died. Like right. you can ask her how. But she's like, most people like don't really want to know. It's probably better if you don't. I did the first time I did just keep asking her how. And it's like, it's, you know, it's, it doesn't really add too much. I think she was probably right. The mystery would have been better. I like it. I think it's cool. So I'm going to say it. I think it's fun. Yeah, go for it. The whole thing is that um, if you know anything about, I don't know, any of this kind of lore or mythology, the whole thing with Charon is that when you have the coin in your pocket, you have like Charon's obol, right, is, is what it's called. If you have an obol, that means that Charon, like when you die, Charon will take you to the underworld and you can, you know, live on whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But if you don't have an obol, that means that you don't. And the whole deal with this is that you and Al Worth were archaeologists who I think stole an obol like from something. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, but you, the two of you have an Obel and it's the first time Charon has like brought somebody to the underworld in like forever. Right. Which is, which is why there's the time difference. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really great. So like the last person who handed an Obel in got sent to the forgotten city in the Roman era. And then it's you and L worth, uh, who were next, (laughs) which I think is hilarious. I think it's very good. I liked it a lot. I I thought it was, I thought it was a good, uh, and maybe, I don't know, maybe I got that just because I was the archeologist. Uh, maybe that was why I, mine was different. I think was, Mine was like we stopped a fight in like a supermarket or something and got shot. Something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah. it changes depending on what class. I can't you really remember. It, it might change. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Uh, but same thing. We got the obol. That's the most important thing. Yeah. It's like we're the first to get the obol in forever. But uh, basically what follows that is Charon, who's also like a 
more neutral than Persephone, who's like actively helping you, but she's not malicious like Pluto is. Like she's just sort of there to do her job. Yeah. But she's like, well, there's no reason to keep you here. So why don't I take you and Al back to the realm of the living? But yeah. she's like, don't don't tell Al that I'm the ferryman of the afterlife, please. <laughs> and Al comes back and they're like, oh, cool. And then uh, I, I think there's a stone tablet that like describes. I think Galerius writes this one where, the, you know, historically they all kind of fondly remember like the stranger that showed up and like saved everyone Mm -hmm. and then so that that already would be like a pretty solid ending but then uh after charon takes you back to the present day to the you know realm of the living you go into the museum and uh you see all your friends they're all there alive with you in modern day at this museum and you just like go down a path and talk to everyone and they all are what's really interesting is that like for me i got the canon ending like i talked to galerius told him to do everything and ran straight to the temple Mm -hmm. so everyone else knew of me but hadn't ever met me before oh my god so there was this like strange dynamic of them being like hey i finally have a face to a name like thank you so much for what you did to us but i the player was like i know and love you like you're glorious you're or you know glorious yeah. i talked to but like other characters like you know the character who i prevented from jumping off the cliff or, or others like yeah there, there was this like strange angle to it that was really interesting wow but um that that whole section is great i mean like it's just very enjoyable to like after seeing all of them die over and over again <laughs> it's nice to see them like happy and in modern day you yeah. know yeah it was great yeah i i got there I don't think last, but uh, it might have been last. That might have been the last ending I got. But yeah, everybody knew who I was. I knew who everybody was. And it was cool to, I I don't know, you just get to catch up with all of them. And it's really fun just to like see what they're all up to you know like the the shitty merchant that we were talking about like is still a shitty merchant essentially what's, yeah. what's great is you can like you can like lead him astray if you want like you just be like an asshole to him because he's an asshole uh and, and he's like yeah hey do you have any like hot tips about like what technology is you know with the direction of technology and you're like yeah dvds man D- like get into dvds now like, that's a great <laughs> idea um which I love. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It, and what really is still the deal for me, I mean, it's it's very sweet. And I, I could see, you know, like maybe bumping up against that a little bit. But honestly, I think I think it deserved the happy ending, especially if you do everything. I think it like is rewarding you for like experiencing the entire game. Yeah. And uh, at the very end, you meet Persephone, who's like just a person now. Mm-hmm. And uh, she fucks with you. She's like, behind you. She whispers, oh, sorry, I'm, you know, old old habits die hard, right? But what really caught me off guard and, and got to me and I, I teared up a little bit was at the very end of the gallery, Persephone's like, someone else wants to say thank you. And it's all the people who were statues. Yeah. Like throughout the entire game, you're walking around and like, you know, there's statues that come to life, but they're also just people like encased in gold, like from the last time this happened. And they're all back. And there's like, you know, it's like a congratulations you know like everyone <laughs> just yeah. there applauding you and uh, i i thought that was really sweet you know i thought that it was like i i thought that based on how heavy a lot of elements of the game were that like this moment felt like good to me i felt mm-hmm. like uh I, it worked i i really liked it yeah yeah me too i i thought it was great you know it might be too uh it might be too like happy go lucky i guess but i don't know personally i i i found it great because again i was already pretty content with the way it ended you know taking out pluto and all that stuff like i thought that that was really fun and cool and good and uh getting like literally anything else for the game to acknowledge like yeah these characters are good right 
was great. I, th- I thought, you know, it, it was it was like a like a confident moment in the storytelling, I thought, for it to revisit all those people. And honestly, like just open the door for like a completely different set of like interesting science fiction and like fantasy ideas in my head that this idea of like a bunch of people from the Roman, Greek and Egyptian era just like zap into the future and like show up in modern day, like feels like the premise of a Netflix TV show. Um, to me and oh yeah just like walking around was I was almost as struck with that concept by itself as I was by like seeing all these people try and acclimate uh, to modern society I thought um, Sentius's daughters was really interesting because the two of them or like Centilla specifically changes her name because she's like I don't want to be associated with that guy because like uh, at least in that era you're generally named you know something in the realm of what your father's name is Uh, so she's named after her father and she changes her name uh, when she gets sapped into the into the modern era and it's like I'm having a great time like figuring out my own life away from him uh, who I am separate from that guy Uh, and I thought that was really good that really that really hit home oh yeah Um, I liked it a lot yeah, I love the ending. It's worth noting that um, Sentius is actually the only one that gets left behind. Yes. He is, I think, just encased in gold forever and ever. Yeah. Uh, and through that combat sequence, which I think is probably worth mentioning, through the combat sequence that we didn't really talk about a whole lot, you find out that the people who are encased in gold are aware of what's happening around them. Like they're alive in the gold yeah. and are like not aging and are just perpetually stuck there, which is really mortifying. But uh, yeah. I guess Sentius got what he wanted, right? He wanted to be immortal. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It, it really is like a very fitting punishment. I think Maliolus and his like LeFou in armor both like just die or something like I, oh, man. I talked to someone who they're like, I think I think the the armor guy like got killed on his way back, uh, like somewhere else off camera in the modern times. Yeah, I forget. I forget what's up with uh, Maliolus. I forgot to. Yeah. Well, I think his wife falls for like a spam email or something. There's something about like yes. she she gets the uh, the like prince email or something. I yeah. don't know. Very funny. It's good. It's a good ending. I like it. I like this game. I think it's good. <laughs> I played through it twice now. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's also like this kind of happy ending really works with like a four hour game. You know, like something about like the length of it and having like a really like completely full conclusion just makes it feel like very satisfying yeah you know, it's like you're in you're out you get everything you're good yeah i forget know? i forget how long my first run was i want to say like somewhere between eight to ten hours like max and this most recent run for me was like three maybe because i like knew yeah. everything that i was supposed to do the thing is you still have to like tease out a lot of information or else the game like won't let you progress which i understand because if you had every dialogue option open from the beginning that wouldn't make any fucking sense uh but yeah you can complete the game very quickly if you know what's up which uh i i do appreciate like you can you can make your way around the game is like very very understanding of that even to the point where the first time you meet galerius as soon as you walk out he's like oh do you want me to like show you around and you're like no i got it and he's like okay yeah <laughs> and then you can just split <laughs> No, but I have your zip line and I have eight things you have to do right yeah. now. I mean, later, I mean, friend. the first time, like right when you start the game. Oh, you gotcha, can immediately gotcha. tell him, like, I've done this. I'm out. And he's like, OK, cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> he has a line where like once you get to know him, he's like, oh, you remind me of Sisyphus. He's like, well, my Sisyphean friend, like I may not remember you, but ask me for help. I'm sure I'll help you out. You know, I don't really <laughs> ask too many questions. <laughs> So good. Galerius is uh, is the best. MVP. MVP Galerius. MVP. Uh, I think that's all I have. I think this will be a short and sweet bonus just like the game is, you know? Yeah, I think so too. I like it. I, uh, I, I'm i not going to do that whole thing again, that whole bit. Um, 
great video game. I think I think uh, well, you know, if you're listening to this, you probably played it. And if not, uh, we just talked about everything that happened in it. So um, on it, honestly, we didn't talk about everything that happened in it. Like if you no, are interested so in playing characters it, we haven't really focused on. Yeah, there's still so much to experience. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think like just the experience of going through all the other eras of the Forgotten City, like by itself is like one of my favorite moments in a video game this year like going and and arriving in the sumerian version of the forgotten city was like so rad oh yeah because i don't know even like look why not we can go on a tangent it's a bonus episode we're deep in here even like going back to when i was like a kid in middle school i remember having this moment where i was like it was like the first time i like became aware so i i I was raised catholic it was the first time i like became aware that there were you know weird similarities between all the religions that existed you know and like sure yeah at least when i was in middle school there was you know i don't I, i just had this moment where i was like it's weird that everyone is almost agreeing and the the small places in which people disagree are like why everybody is angry with one another like that that always like really weirded me out yeah i I was i was also raised in you too we grew up in the same town but like the town that we grew up in is like pretty conservative leaning i didn't grow up like my parents are not conservative uh that's that's not how i was raised personally but like we grew up in like a conservative like mostly like honestly catholic society uh at least in in our town and being raised in that way i slowly started to realize that like the moral code that i was following didn't align with the actual beliefs of the people who were teaching it to me in a way and that was that was the first time i like woke up in in my brain to this idea of like what goodness is and like what I wanted to who I wanted to be as a person in the world you know was this idea that like I was raised Catholic there are I'm, I'm sorry but I'm gonna say all this stuff but like at the end at the end of the day like there are a lot of things that happen in the Catholic Church that are like really fucked up and really bad and do not exemplify oh, yeah. the teachings of like Jesus and what the Bible says you know and and when right, yeah you can only see so much hypocrisy in the world before you start to say like I need to find my own thing because like clearly the thing that I'm being raised under doesn't exemplify the thing that it thinks it is. So you have to find your own path. Sure. And the same thing with conservatism, like around me, all of the people that I knew were being raised by parents who were like hardcore conservatives who like said they believed in the teachings of God and Jesus and stuff like that. And then like I knew their kids and I talked to their kids and I know what they're like at home and I know that they're not doing that. Like I I, it's it was so obvious to me that all these people who were telling me to be a good person were not good people, you know, and and that really fucks with you as a person I think when you're growing up yeah and there are like two there are you know multiple ways in which that can ripple out and and you see it all over the place there are some people who are like well that's just the way the world is and that's how I'm going to be too or there are other people I would include myself in that list which is like you reject that way of life because it's not good and you have this idea that there's like a moral center and you need to follow that tune you know as best you can which is at least the way I've always lived and I really appreciated like you can tell that the creators of this game the writers of this game like really felt that at their core and and have been questioning that same thing their whole lives as well because I'm yeah it's always what I'm thinking about I'm always thinking like what is like the right thing to do here and you try you try and get it as right as you can but I think for the game to be like so many people throughout 
all of human history have tried to answer that question. And even the people who thought they were the most right and maybe were the most right at the time were still wrong. Like it's it, it almost it opens the door for like a whole like utopic vision of humanity that I think is like really nice. There's there's definitely like a, a shitty, like sad angle you could take to that. We're like, well, you're always going to be wrong. But I think it's more interesting to be, I don't know, hopeful about the future than a, a fucking doomer. Yeah. You know, I think this I think this game is more hopeful that especially, you know, by the canon ending. I think there's much more optimism. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think there's there's a purpose in them calling it the canon ending. That is the ending that they yeah. believe in. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, not to I, I mean, no disrespect with this comment, but I think I, I've seen a lot of interviews with like religious scholars who have routinely said like religious doctrines will contradict themselves, you know, in terms of like yeah. thinking about like a Catholic code or or whatever. Like if you, if you read in the entire Bible or, or any religious book, like it's not going to have one idea. It's going to have a lot of ideas and they will contradict themselves. And what ends up happening is people will choose the one that it reinforces the way they want to live yeah. for better and for worse, which I think goes back to the central argument against the golden rule from the philosopher where it's like, you know, the wicked will find the thing to work around. Yeah. And again, like, I, I don't I don't want this to come off like anti-religion. I think that like, again, there, there's there's a lot of positivity that can come from that as well. I think that like this is not something you and I can come up with <laughs> on this episode. Like, and this is the take on religion. But I do think that like it's a strength of the game that these questions start to come up. And that you can relate weird as as weird as this is a, a game about a city where people turn into statues. You can play that and be like that actually sheds a light on my own upbringing. Yeah. You know, being in a town that was very, you know, 99 percent white conservative Catholic realizing like this sucks, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or at least the things that are being forced to me suck. And I'm not going to just accept them as a blanket thing. I think that's also the I think the critique of the game is largely like don't accept what society is at the time as like the end all be all. Yeah. You know, always think that you can do a little better and yeah. be more understanding and a better person. Yeah. Because even the gods are also just people making mistakes, which I think that's why I love the space aliens so much. It's like that really drills that point. Yeah. I actually want to end the episode there. I think that was a really good last sentiment. Uh, oh, thank you. That's very sweet of you. I think that was good. Okay. Hey. All right. Well, that's it. We thank you all it so out. much we figured for listening. Out religion and society. <laughs> we did. We did it. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, the canon ending. Ima- Im- imagine being that wrong about a video game, being like, "Ha ha! We we figured it. We're th- we're the best morally." What if we just did the you shoot Sendies with the gun and get the first ending? Like we beat the game. We we're beat gonna talk the game. About it. it was uh, fucking short sick. game. It was yeah, it took a couple minutes. Pretty cool. Um, Action ten out of ten. Karen was my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> I like Al. I'm an Al head. You know, that's like um, that, that's like the people there is, you know, I, I we always talk about this. The like Goodfellas poster in, in their college dorm room <laughs> kinds of people like, yeah, like the like my my more modern version of that. Also, Scorsese is uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, which like yeah. the whole thing exists to be like this guy fucking sucks and and you're gonna watch it and you're gonna somehow root for him even though he sucks and then the last shot of the movie and this is the thing that i always i probably have talked about this on the show before but whatever i'm gonna say it again the last shot of that movie is jordan belfort giving a speech grifting a bunch more people and you as the viewer have now seen him do this over and over and over again you know that this is what he does you know he's a bad person he shouldn't be allowed to do this shit and 
the the last shot is Scorsese pans the camera up from the stage and and around and up to the ceiling and then backwards. So you're now facing the audience who is watching Jordan Belfort. So now you're sitting in a movie theater, an audience of people watching an audience of people smiling and laughing and going fucking wild for this con man and this grifter. And it's like, is Martin Scorsese showing you what the point of the movie is? And people still have that fucking poster on their wall thinking that he's like a cool (laughs) guy that they want to turn into one day. (laughs) Oh my god! It's wild. Yeah, Scorsese's bad. I think sometimes <laughs> at getting the point of his movie across, and that is him trying so hard to like design his movie for people who definitely won't get it and be like, "You can't misread this moment." And uh, and yet, Karen was my favorite character. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Uh, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Remember when you ended on a really good note and I went on a rant about the Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, <laughs> thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. As we say every week, these episodes, these bonus episodes are made possible by the patrons. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash into the cast. As long as we have one patron, we will continue doing monthly bonus episodes that are freely available for everyone. If you back the show, you also get access to patron exclusive episodes. But all of that said, uh, if backing the show at all negatively impacts you financially, please do not back the show. It is totally cool. If you have to change or cancel your pledge for any reason, don't worry about it. Totally fine. But it allows us. But if you do. You will have broken the golden rule and uh, everyone will turn into a statue. So just a heads up. Uh, The Patreon allows us to do these episodes and also allows us to pay AJ for all of his hard work. Thank you so much uh, to AJ for editing this episode. Thank you, AJ. Um, And uh, anything beyond that allows us to do more like check out things that we might not uh, be super into or like, you know, want to check out, you know, out of curiosity. uh, We can take more chances on things like that. If we need new gear, we can uh, get new gear, things like that. Uh, So thank you all so much for backing the show and allowing all that stuff be possible. Outside of that, um, every link that you could possibly imagine is at into the cast online. If you're interested in Google or Ask Jeeves or uh, I don't know, like multiple (laughs) other websites um who's the man now dog uh, sorry that's not it you're the man now dog.com <laughs> is the one who wants to be a millionaire now who wants dog. to be the dog <laughs> who wants a dog the many shall suffer the sins of the dog <laughs> <laughs> my name is brendan bigley you can find me on the internet at brendan bigley i am stephen hilger you can find me at stephen hilger thank you so much for listening have a wonderful day Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Be good. <laughs> <laughs> Be good. <laughs>